When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to us, this is Knife Talk. I'm Marco Malmasi here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Uh, this is where we talk about knives. We answer questions. We we give each other fritz, as Jeff would say. And uh, yeah, we most of all just kind of try to have a good time. So let's kick it off with uh, the last week. How's last week been for you guys? Um, sorry I couldn't be here last episode. My internet connection sucked, but we we got that fixed. Well, it's good now. You're, you've got that fixed. That's, that's the best part. We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> yeah. We did well, manage I mean, to sneak you in last week just to do a little bit of yeah. news. Yeah, a little, <laughs> yeah. A little slip, a slip in. Slipped you in a little bit. Yeah. For about <laughs> 45 <laughs> seconds. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, this... Just, just quickly, real quickly. Today is Craig's birthday. As oh. we're recording, yeah, you little oh. fucker. It's your Jesus. birthday, and oh, I boy. found out about it, and I just want to wish you a happy birthday. Congratulations. I knew I should never have accepted your friend request on Facebook. Well, there you go. It's your problem. It's your <laughs> happy birthday, you buddy. Thank How can you very what could you do? Happy birthday. What are you doing for your birthday? Relaxing, relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice. We wake up. We had the, we had the babies coming to bed with us. Had breakfast in bed, and yeah, it's just been nice and relaxing. So. You know what it's like when you get, you know, just that little bit older. You don't really want to be going out partying and so on. So we're just going out for a quiet meal this evening, and um, yeah, nice. taking it easy. And no audio issues. That's like the that's like the audio birthday present, right? It there. is compared to last week, where we had yeah ninety minutes trying to, trying to sort things out. This is going to be nice and smooth. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> Happy birthday! Thank you very much. So what about you, Jeff? What have you been doing this week? Last week was uh, a lot of a lot of stuff. I'm actually in uh, talks with a new chef. I'm going to do a signature series knife with uh, uh, the chef that um, Tony and Tony and I know for a while. And good dude, New York guy. We're working out the details. It's going to be a completely different style knife than uh, the ones I've done with other chefs. And we're looking forward to that. I, I did a couple uh, little side projects that I'm you know not super excited to do, but I I did those and. You know, it's cold. We, I actually was supposed to have, uh, I mentioned, I kind of mentioned it last week, I'm actually going to be doing uh, a little bit of work with the guys from Broadbeck Ironworks. Um, Chris Cash, Mount Phillip Metalworks, one of the best guys in the metalworking business, super nice guy. 
introduced me to the guys from Broadback Ironworks, and they make they're two knife makers, uh, Vince and Ryan, who make um, they make a, a grinder, two by seventy two grinder, and I know that uh, Jay Nielsen is on the sponsor team, and so is um, Chris Zepp from Make Everything Shop, and they approached me, and they were actually going to come up yesterday uh, and bring up a grinder and test it out, and you know start to fool around with it and um, the, the, it started snowing here and we kind of, they were coming from Virginia and I, I, uh, we all agreed that don't get stuck in the snow for a grinder. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I like these guys. I mean, I've talked to them on the phone. Um, they're super interesting guys. And one of the differences between these guys and a lot of guys is they're knife makers. So they're knife makers making a grinder for knife makers. And, nice. uh, I think it's very interesting. So, uh, hopefully they're going to come up with Chris in the next couple of weeks and, uh, I'll give you a whole report. Nice. Yeah, nice. I saw like that uh, you you had some forks on your Instagram the other day. Ah, yes. I um I had a cust an old, and I'm getting a lot of repeat business, which I like. It it it, it's it a good like old guys, like guys who bought stuff for me like years ago, and that's when you start to feel like, all right, maybe I'm not. This isn't just like a flash in the pan thing. Mm. So I've been getting, you know, because I do use a lot of the G10. Uh, you can, you know, and the G10 doesn't really change color. I mean, if you, royal blue is royal blue, no matter when you buy it. Um, it's easier to do uh, uh, sets. So a lot of times a guy will, you know, this guy's a Knicks fan, a New York Knicks fan. He wanted blue and orange. And he said, I need a, you know, he'd been talking to us about, you know, pairing knife, oyster knife and forks. And I did a, I did a fork. I did a couple forks a while ago. And they're fun to do, especially plate quenching. Um, you can, you know, you can cut them out and take a little bit of the material away and keep the flats flat. And then the, for plate quenching, it's you know pretty easy. There's not there's not a lot of you know fooling around with the warping and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun, and we're gonna do it again. And then um, we actually just put them on the website. So. Uh, I had another customer of mine just bought two more, and you know it's, they're fun to change it up a little bit. The forks are, you know, forks are fun. So, mm. corner of the fork market. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's there. You know, a lot of people make them, and they're. I I mean, I honestly don't use them. I know that nowadays a lot of guys who are using uh, serving forks are using them for plating pasta. That's what I guess. There's this famous one from. Uh, mm. Wistoff or something, they're super long tines. Like they go, mm. st- they go r- straight to the from the handle, and oh, uh, wow. a lot of chefs now are using that for plating pasta. So we'll see what happens with that. And nice. How are you? What's going on with you, Marco? You moved. How are you? Oh my god, yeah, moved again. Uh, <clears throat> but this is into a. It's still in the same city, same town, everything, just different house. And uh, so we just we just moved into a place of our own, which is really nice. And it's we're still getting comf- uh, I guess comfortable and and settled in. And uh, you know, moving sucks. I oh, I hate moving. Worst. And it's the worst. I was. I was doing the tally the other day, and I think we've moved five times in the last five years, and um, oh. and, and and I think four of those moves have just been in the last three and a half years. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's good to to be. I think we're going to be here for a while. We don't have any plans to move for a long time now. Uh, but the house is just a mess. It's like our storage unit just blew up into this house, and so. <laughs> So that's fun, uh, working that out. I just finished up actually a knife last week uh, and got it sent out. It had a actually the customer came and picked it up, uh, which doesn't happen very often. 
And um, I, I think I've only actually met maybe five or six of my actual customers. Um, anyhow, it, it was a really neat build. It had uh, elk antler as a spacer huh. in the uh, in the handle, and it's a Japanese cowboy handle. And then the body of the handle was maple uh, spalted maple barrel. Actually, did kind of like a uh, kind of a follow along on my Instagram stories, which and it's in my highlights now. Uh, of how I kind of approached the sculpting for that. And uh, so I, I was really happy with how that came together. Otherwise, it's just kind of the usual back to the grind, starting another project and making more steel, forging out another blade. And I have some pictures I'm going to post up uh, of kind of like the start to finish of um, of a, a, mo- a mosaic Damascus chef's knife where uh, I have my little tile stack, which is I, I call a little micro billet. Um, cause it's only a very small, it's like, it's like a normal, uh, Damascus billet layup after you cut and restack them, but they're only, instead of being like, you know, three or four or six inches long, they're only, uh, maybe three quarters or seven eighths of an inch long. Um, so it goes from that and then to like the finished forged blade just to, I love your contrast thing that you do on your Instagram, Jeff, with your handles where it's all glucked up and nasty yeah. and glued up and then boom, it's all shiny and, glo- yeah. and glossy and everything. That's so fun. I thought it would be interesting to kind of show like this, you know, the kind of jump cut start to finish. Of people that. Don't li- Some people don't like it when I do that. Well, they can they, shut they up. Too, I know. I don't. I just fine by me. But it's, uh, they don't. They don't like how sloppy. They're like, why do you put so much fucking glue on there? What's the matter with you? I'm like, yeah, well, this is the transformation, you motherfucker. Come on, man. This is like, you know, don't worry about it. This yeah. is not for you. We're going to talk about that in our beefs. Sure. Mm. So but that's about uh, it. That's basically did, it. Did you did you move into the your new garage, the shop? Are you changing shops? Or are you going to stick? With no, what you're no. The now? shop's going to stay uh, where the shop's at. Um. Yeah, the is garage. It it, no, it's not far. It's maybe a 10, 15 minute drive. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, nice. it, was, it was about half an hour before, but it's not. Oh, it's much better. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Craig, what, is, how are Craig you? we only talked about your birthday. Yeah, what have you actually sorry. been up to? <laughs> um, table knives this week. So um, an order of forty, which I've been working on for quite some time, um, and just shaping the handles this week. So. There we the tail end of last week we were doing the glue ups, so it was a case of laying out. I mean, there was forty, and they're all um, obviously you get two sides to handles. We had eighty slabs of this walnut um, stabilized wow. walnut, and it beautiful stuff, but um, all really highly figured. So it took us a long time to match mm. up, <laughs> match them up. So we had you know two similar for each knife. Um, so the glue up was done, and now I'm on the shaping of the handles. And I just had the worst time of it. Those first couple of knives, I just, you know, sometimes you just can't get into a groove and you just, yeah. it, oh, yeah. nothing seems to work. Um, but yeah, it was just a case of going away, have, you know, have something to eat and, and come back an hour later with a, with a fresh mind on it and literally take things from a different angle. And I was just zipping through them and yeah, just really happy. Oh, nice. So um, they're all shaped now as it's down to the polishing and the sharpening and then the, the final bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, I'll be glad to see this order gone. Actually it's, um, I've done quite a few recently of walnut and brass. Um, and it just seems like I've been doing them forever. Cause I think this is the third order in a row of the, of, of this very similar knife or regards to the handles at least anyway. So yeah. yeah, it'll be nice to, to tackle something new after this. Um, it's a good look. I never get sick of walnut. That's sunset's favorite. <laughs> 
combination. It's it's a classic. What, it's it's nice. Yeah. It never it never gets it never gets old for me. I love mm. walnut and brass. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from that, so um, this uh, sustainable knife campaign that I sort of started um, a couple of months ago, you know, tr- trying to work out how I can make the most sustainable chef knife. Well, um, I sold 30 on a, on a newsletter to previous customers. A news- wow. I, 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 I do this sort of newsletter where I, I have different uh, segments. So I have a segment for uh, previous customers. I have a segment for people interested in the sustainable knife. And I have a segment just for people who just sign up on the website. So I'm, I'm trying this thing when I'm trying to do a sort of pipeline of things. So I sold 30 previously, um, and that was before I, you know, I fully sort of decided how it was going to be, these sustainable knives were going to be. So those 30 have gone. So now on January the 31st, I'm doing that same knife to a different list. So this is a list to anybody who's on the sustainable mm. knife list or just general customers from the website. And the whole idea is there'll be 100 of them because I only have enough material to make 100. Um, and hopefully that should keep me busy for months and months and months to come, um, getting these chef knives done. So it's been real fun, actually, just learning about, um, you know, how I can make this more sustainable. So we've switched energy supply here. So all the energy to the shop now is green energy coming from either water or wind. Um, little things that I'm using perspex for liners. So I'm getting all that scrap from a local sign writer who would only be putting this in the bin. So it's stuff that's not being made specifically for the knife. It's all these just little things that, you know, in my mind, I think it's the most sustainable the knife could be, you know, at this right. quality. I mean, you, you can, you can pick up scrap steel and make a knife out of, you know, a hundred percent recycled stuff. Um, but you know, th- this isn't going to be that. This is, you know, it's, it's a known steel, so I'm using um, 14C28N. After speaking to Sandvik, I found out that they're, they're nearly 80% recycled anyway at the plant, sure. which is really wow. nice. So, so yeah, I've, I've, there's lots of facts and figures which I'll be, I'll be sort of sharing over the next few weeks until these are launched, and it's just sort of building up interest in that really. So. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun, and it's like a, a different way of sort of marketing something before before they're ready. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But um, I'm excited to get these these walnut knives out of the way and start on these sustainable knives. And are you looking forward to all the uh, people saying, "Well, what about this? Is this isn't that sustainable?" Are you looking forward to like bracing yourself for all that? It's sort of started already, but I think if you put yourself <laughs> out there, it, it, it's going to happen. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable myself true. knowing that this is the most sustainable I could make a knife, you know, to, to yeah. this standard. I say you, you, you could make it more sustainable, but I think maybe the quality would suffer. So this is, you know, the best quality that I could possibly do in the most sustainable way that I could. So I'm quite happy with the choices I've made. Speaking of which, uh, shout out to Jimmy Duresta and the Making It podcast. That reminds me of that. They, on their last episode, I think it's called Capital Letters Pivot. Mm. They gave us a little bit of a shout out. They're a great podcast and maker podcast. And um, they were talking about knife making. And Jimmy mentioned us and talked about us. But the one thing he said was, and this is kind of like Dove's telling, Dove tales into what you were saying, is he says that when he makes knives... He, when he gets 
you know, what he refer, he was making the delineation between amateurs and professional. He goes, he goes, amateurs are the guys who fucking tell you you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. What are you wasting <laughs> your time for? You yeah. you play. You're fooling around. And he says, he says it's the professionals who are the nicest. They're the ones who are super helpful and they're not judgy. <laughs> so that's that was I, that stuck out in my mind that uh, Jimmy was just like he's like you have no idea. All these little guys, they're the ones who are like they're bitch and moan. And he, I think he gets a lot of that. But it reminded me, it reminded me to say something because Jimmy's a good dude and uh, he's been super super supportive of of us and and. Uh, but it's funny you mentioned us. I think maybe we'll do something with them soon, huh? It would be good to. It would be good to. I have reached out. But um, their last episode, as you just mentioned, it was very sort of knife-making heavy. Um, I, th- I think the three of them, the three hosts, uh, are getting more into sort of metalworking. Well, it's hard not to get into knife-making. I mean, it's like if you're into making stuff, it's, you know, the whole concept of knife-making is so fascinating because you have something you can actually make that you can use and it's – you know, for various reasons. It's great. And every YouTube rabbit hole ends up at Alex Steele, no matter where you start. It's the rule. <laughs> really? It's the rule. If you just leave any YouTube video on to, you know, just play next, just play next, within five videos, you'll be watching Alex Steele. There's no doubt. But, you know, one thing that Alec does, that he doesn't, he's not instructional, though. Mm. He, he like, leaves it for, he just tells you, I'm doing this, and, and, and I'm not giving you any notes. <laughs> he doesn't give you any help at all, Alec. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Jeremy from Simple Little Life and and all these other guys, they they uh they'll tell you how to they'll tell you what they started with, but not Alec boy. He's gonna put his glasses on, be a big smile, you know, put his notes slow-mo and flames. He's gonna put his notes in his pocket and just say, Yo, fuck yourself. You will you figure it out for yourself. <laughs> God bless Alex Steele. So that's what we've been up to. Let's see if we've got any news. Knife Talk News. This is where we have the all sorts of what's going on in the knife world. And we're going to start off with Mareko Mamasi, the master of the calendar. What's going on in the world? Well, I mean, you're the only one who knows what the hell's going on. Every time you're not here and I have to figure out what I I leave the your calendar in the back of the truck. And I'm like, hey, well, something's going on. So you, you got it in front of you. I never have it yeah. in front of you. Well, I have. I actually have the brand new Artisans of Steel calendar uh, that is being kicked off. Actually, with the the legendary Mister Nick Wheeler is the first uh, is the first month of January for this new calendar. It's a it's a more standard uh, layout. Uh, they're actually on my Insta, or I guess they're not on my Instagram. They're on my website right now. We have limited quantities. Um, we just sent out our first batch uh, of calendars the other day. Um, but coming up on the calendar, actually this week, uh, starting Tuesday, is SHOT Show from the 21st to the 24th. And then following that, on Friday and Saturday, is the Las Vegas Custom Knife Show um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, yeah. And and that's basically what's happening for the, this, what is it, the second to last week of the month. So there's not much else happening this month. Um and then outside of the calendar, I just want to say, I don't know if we've really talked about it right uh, on the show, but, you know, Australia basically is on fire and it's completely, it's really heartbreaking to see, you know, I see all kinds of stuff on my Instagram feed. Um, they've lost uh, innumerable animals to the, to the brush fires um, and, and also human lives as well. And, and, 
and Kevin Room, who is a custom knife maker down in Australia. He's actually doing an auction, and unfortunately, it just, as we're recording, it's ending today um, on Sunday. But uh, it's going to benefit a family who's, uh, it, was a, it was a husband-wife family, and the wife was pregnant, and the, the husband is a firefighter, and he was lost in the fires. And so I just oh, want to give out a shout, geez. give a shout out to Kevin um, for his support to uh, his countrymen. Um, and my, my heart goes out to uh, the wife who lost her husband, because that's, I'm, I can't imagine how hard that is. I'm under the impression that it's slowly, yeah. it started to rain, and I think, isn't it? Isn't it slowly being taken care of? I'm not 100% sure. But with that said, shout out to Steve Pellegrino. He put one of his knives up for auction, and the money oh, went nice. to, the, to, uh, to, to, the, to, to that, too. And I talked to Mert every so often. Mert's been, Mert sure. Tansu, I've been talking to him, uh, and uh, texting, he and I text in the mornings and stuff like that. Um, and he was, you know, he was just very much along the lines of, uh, we're going to get through this. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of, you know, we're going to get through this and it's, but it's, it's, as you said, I mean, what's more to say? It's terrible. It's rough. Terrible. Terrible. And sadly, it's going to be more and more common. I think, you know, it's, you know, what can we do? It's, it's, it's a difficult one, but yeah, heart goes out to anybody affected by, by any of those fires out there. All these fires, especially in California, like mm. the the fire season up in Northern California, it's getting longer and it's, it's what mm, fucking it's terrible, terrible. I have friends in San Francisco who can smell the fires when they're, when that are, in, you know, up in Northern California. It's crazy. Not there you good go. at all. Not good. Sad, you know, sad. So know. I've got a, another sad story about... So last night I'm sitting there with my wife just watching the TV. It's a Saturday yeah. night, quite relaxed, and the phone pings. And I'm like, oh, you know. I, I generally try... when I'm In the evenings I've tried to keep away from my phone. But what we were watching was garbage. And I, was, I picked up my phone. And it was one of our listeners messaged Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, our account. Um, and they said that they prefer another show. Their heart belongs to another show. This was like a, a stab through the heart. I got really, really sad. I just thought, yeah. well, yeah. we've got a community, you know. What, what's going on? Right. I was really, really sad. So I did what most, you know, self-respecting podcast owners would do. I pulled up the piano. <laughs> And I thought, right, let's write a little song about this. <laughs> we had a message this week from one of our flock that made us feel really low. Dominic Schwab admitted to us he prefers another show. Now we're not ones to bitch and moan and to publicly throw our rattle. But we'll fight for a flock, whatever it takes, even a custody battle. <laughs> Mert and Kev from that other show, we respect what you're doing. But stealing our listeners and making them smile could lead us all to ruin. So Dominic Schwab, if we're breaking up, it better be worth all the trouble. Cause the Aussie show is fun for a while, but really, really, really does it make you smile. 
Dominic Schwab, are you listening today? We promise to be better and we'll listen all day. Dominic Schwab and the Aussie crew, it's not us, it's you. <laughs> wow. You so I think that... I think Mert and, and, and the crew at the other podcast, I think we need to have some sort of custody thing going on here where we maybe our listeners we can we can borrow from each other maybe. Wow. I can't believe you wrote that to a rat <laughs> leaving a sinking ship. Exactly. A rat. A Come rat. All right. You 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 gave you that is that is customer service right there. That doesn't mean you're gonna do that to everybody who fucking decides they don't want to listen to this podcast anymore, are you? Definitely not. But we're gonna fight for every <laughs> listener. Any 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 defecty who decides to go elsewhere, we're gonna fight for you. Wow. Congre- <laughs> that was something else. I just if you don't mind. I just don't want a radio war, if you don't mind. <laughs> it's a bit of fun. It's all fine. I was involved in a radio war a number of years ago, and it almost ruined my friendship with my buddy Nico. When oh, I did, uh, it was bad. It got real bad. We I had a podcast about 10 years ago called The Downward Spiral with my buddy Nico Tavernisi. And, uh, you know, we would talk about weird stories, and it was always... And it was it was always like deteriorating into just like you know nonsense. So that's why I called the downward spiral. So a friend of mine decided that he listened to the podcast. He says, "Well, I'm going to do a podcast. If you can do a podcast, I can do a podcast." So he said, "I'm going to do the antidote to your podcast." He came up with the upward spiral. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it was the worst. It was so bad. He would read poetry and talk about philosophy, and it was like unlistenable. So I was just like, "Yeah, hey, you know, maybe we should do a little fake radio war." And, um, you know, we'll break your balls, you'll break our balls, and then it'll be a little cross-promotion. It was just like fooling around, you know. Mm. So he didn't tell his partner, who was a comedian, and I just lit this dude up. I just said, you know, you know, you're, you're he said, this podcast is there, we can't listen to this podcast. I said, well, you've got a guy who's a, com- a professional comedian, he can tell a joke or two. You know, I started, you know, next thing you know, one of their listeners wrote, Nico, this horrendous letter, what kind of piece of shit you are, and who the fuck, and all of a sudden, I get this text from Nico saying, I don't want to do this goddamn podcast anymore, I didn't sign up for this, and it, it turned into, like, this disaster area, oh, and, uh, yeah, so, Mert and, Tan- Mert and Kev, I'm with you, because this is the funny <laughs> thing, is a little backstory is, so, I guess, I guess Dominic, who, Schwab, were with you, 100%, he made a story saying that he loves Knife talk or uh, knife talk down under is what you should be. It should be called, you know, starting a war already. Knife making down under, <laughs> and uh, he just said it's better than the. It's something like the long lines of it's better than the knife. It's better than the knife talk that talk. It's on yeah, about the podcast made. where they talk about knives. So yeah. you know, Craig and I fool around on the on the thing, and I just sent him the crying emoji, and then I guess he wrote something back, and then Craig jumped on, and he's like, "We're gonna you know turn the whole thing." And then I guess somebody screen capped it and sent it to, to Kev. So all of a sudden Kev sneaks into my DMs. He's like, I hear we're going to start a radio war. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no radio war. We're all good. This is fine. There's room for us all. But I will say, Craig, that writing that song was great. You're a good little, you're a good, you're a good songwriter. Well, I was inspired, inspired by such a sad, sad story. Oh, you wasn't like out of spite? No. Oh, oh no. All right. no, no, all right. no, no, no. Congratulations on being a one year older and you know smarter, <laughs> less wiser. Yeah. No, what no, other no, news have we got? 
Um, uh, the New England School of Metalwork was, uh, and uh, the Center for Metal Arts both have new, sh- new uh, classes. Actually, the Center for Metal Arts, one of our listeners... Um, Reed Schwartz is going to be teaching, um, uh, knife forging oh, nice. for spoon knives. He's, he makes beautiful. I love his stuff. Reed Schwartz is an awesome knife maker and he makes, um, those, you know, spoon carving knives. And he does these things where, you know, it's a, it's a short knife, very forged. And then he has like a kind of carved octagon short handle for spoon carving. And he does the, you know, all that stuff. But he also does these things called, uh, I guess, I guess he's, he, he makes his sheaths out of wood too. So they're almost like they're, they're these, they lock in and he is a dynamite guy. I listen to the podcast, <clears throat> pardon me. And he's going to be teaching at the center for mental arts. And I think there's some slots available. And then, um, listens to our podcast or that other podcast? Pardon me, he listens to our podcast. <laughs> he or listens that to other our podcast. podcast. He don't listen, okay, to, he's you know, cool. he he's don't cool. listen to those Australians. He don't listen to those Australians. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a New England guy. You know, don't worry about him. And then, um, the uh, New England School of Metalworks also has new classes coming out, and they're pumping out some really cool classes and definitely worth, uh, definitely worth checking them all out. I would, that's for sure, cool. 100%. And what's that? New England School of Metal dot com is it? Where would they find something that? like that? You can yeah. follow them on uh, Instagram, uh, New England School of Metal Work and the Center for Metal Arts. Both are on Instagram. Um, but like you know, I, I know that it co- they just posted some pictures of some of our listeners. I know Drek Metalworks and then one of our other guys are taking classes with Nick. And you know, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm still getting over this goddamn flu. And, and it's just great that to seeing them, uh, you know, making it happen. Cool. Cool. Um, and in funzy news, this is weird funzy <laughs> news. I guess that's what you call it. Funzy news. Uh, we got, I got sent this by Sean McKes- McKesney, Noah Vashon, uh, Jeremy Spake. They sent me the story that was big in the news. I mean, I'm sure you guys even saw it. Everyone was posting it. A man requests trial by combat with Japanese swords to settle a custody battle with his ex-wife. Oh All right. And this is in Des Moines. A Kansas man has asked an Iowa court to grant his motion for trial by combat so he can meet his ex-wife and her attorney, uh, quote, on the field of battle where he will rend their souls from their corporal bodies. David Ostrom, 40, of Kansas, claims in the court documents that his ex-wife, Bridget, 38, has destroyed him legally. He asked the Iowa District Court in Shelby County to give him 12 weeks lead time in order to source or forge a katana or wakasashi sword. And then he says, um, to this day, trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted. It is a right of the United States. Ostrom argues that the court records adding that uh, it was used as recently as 1880 in British courts. Uh, when reached on by phone, Ostrom told the, the Des Moines Register that he got the idea after learning about a 2000s uh let's just keep going here um ostrom said the motion stemmed from his frustration with his ex-wife's attorney um uh i think i've met mr hudson's absurdity with my own absurdity i think they're all basically so ostrom said he plans to request the same mediation tactic for any other disputes that may arise in court and he added that his ex-wife can choose her attorney as her champion or stand in fighter um Yeah, so this guy has decided that his life has been ruined and he wants revenge by chopping up his wife with a sword or her attorney. What do you think about this, guys? 
What a crazy world we live in. I, I hope we don't have to start doing this with with our listeners who defect to other podcasts that we need some sort of cust- custody battle just, with Japanese swords. Let's but just um, keep singing songs, Craig. In, in, in regards <laughs> to this, just keep writing songs. No, we know no need for hostilities. Oh, can you can you imagine? I, I, this this guy's obviously got beef with the with the lawyers and stuff, which which is fair enough. But you know, Japanese swords—that's just crazy. Well, the funny thing is, is it's very cl- and everyone says this guy's crazy. This guy's crazy. It's very clear that this is not his first bad idea. I think, I think oh we're God. dealing yeah. with people who make <laughs> poor judgments on a regular basis. This is not his first poor judgment. I mean, these these some of these people they watch. I'm convinced. I am convinced. You all watch too much. I'm blaming everybody. You're all watching too many violent movies. You're watching too much TV. And you're coming up with these fantasies that are horrendous. I could not imagine taking something and hurting somebody with such a vicious, in a vicious way. You're gonna go. You're gonna go hit somebody with a sword, a, a lawyer with a sword that you don't really know. That's crazy. I can imagine the psychological trauma that you'd have by causing vicious, vicious violence. Just. This guy makes bad decisions. He obviously was not a very good husband because this can't, he couldn't have been the best husband and then come up with this out of the end. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, who comes up with that thing? I mean, why would you even think? And this is the same kind of guys who say, you don't have to pay your taxes. And yeah, I know that this is. They come up with these cockamamie ideas thinking yeah. that I've outsmarted them all now. And now they're making jokes about this dude. And now the knife guys are just like, hey, maybe we can be a business to sell this guy a couple swords. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's annoying. It's a stupid. It's, well, this guy makes bad decisions. People make bad decisions. Well, it's crazy. He sounds like the kind of person who's like, I wish I could. It was legal to kill my wife, basically, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, basically, he's trying yeah. to go about it the <laughs> yeah. most legal way he thinks he can come up with by getting a judge to approve it. <laughs> doesn't make sense it's it sounds like some really bad straight to tv film that was made in like early 90s this you're talking about a guy who makes bad decisions this is this is not a a good decision dude this isn't like let's cut our losses i'm willing to kill my wife or her lawyer how could you live like that and how could you think that that's a good idea (laughs) i even go about make bad this guy makes bad decisions and you watch it too much tv fucking yeah. Kansas guy with a Japanese sword. What the fuck's the matter with you? Why don't you go fishing or something? Live your life. Why do some yoga? Jesus. I mean, am I wrong? Let's I mean, don't on. you think you need a better... Hot, a better, hot, hot yoga. He needs yeah, some do some hot fucking yoga. hot yoga. You know what? That's what this guy should do. Here's what I would do if I was this guy. Fucking start over from scratch. Get yourself in good shape. Get yourself a new girlfriend. Change your mind. Change your attitude. And 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 show re- revenge by living a good life. And see. There we go. Deceive. All right. There you go. That's it. There we go. Moving on. <laughs> I bet the abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Knife Talk 15. 15% off anything at Combat Abrasives. So go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com. Now, one thing you're going to need abrasives for is our build-along, which we've been sort of talking about over the last few weeks but haven't really got into anything. So 
I think this should be our first week of a of a build along. I've been giving this lots of thought of how can we get, you know, complete newcomers to, you know, to come and build knives and how can we get, you know, experienced knife makers involved as well. So I thought let's let's start with something simple. So this first week we'll talk about the, the, how you design knives, how how you go about getting your shape and all the rest of it. So we've got a new sponsor and they're called knifeprint.com. And they, I've, I've talked about how I design knives in the past. I use, I use basically a 2D CAD program. So it's a program where you can, you can plot the shape of the knife and then you can print it out to paper or whatever you want to print it out to and you know transfer that to steel and cut around it and all the rest of it. But um, knife print have this great service. So you can do all that. You can, you can go online, you can, you can design your knife, and it's super, super simple. So I've actually made a video um, over the last couple of days, which will be live today. The day you hear this is Monday. That'll be live on my YouTube, showing how I've designed this knife, which we can use for the build-along. There's a link in the description. There'll also be a link in this podcast description. Go into knifeprint.com, and what that will do, it will open up Knifeprint with a copy of the of the knife that I've designed. So you can go straight to print, to paper, and you can have a, a printed copy, or you could make amends, maybe some slight amends to the knife if you don't like the design of it. So... I've gone with a very sort of traditional um, sort of hunting knife, I suppose, very sort of general purpose hunting knife, because I thought, let, let's go something with a thicker stock than maybe a chef knife, because I think if it's your first knife, maybe a chef knife isn't what you want to be doing. So I've gone for a something with a thicker stock, so around about four millimetres would probably be, would be fine for this, which is, what's that? It's... No in, idea. In, in your American language, what's, what's four mil? I have no idea. Hurt as near me. I'm out. Uh, it's about a quarter of an inch. There we go. About a quarter of an inch. So the whole idea is this is a knife that we we can all do over the next couple of weeks. And if we if we share the hashtag knife talk BA for build along, we can all see different versions of the same knife. So take a look at the D at the comment in the uh, sorry, at the description. There'll be a link and that'll take you to knifeprint.com where you can see this knife. You can print out to paper. But they also have this incredible service where you can print the knife actually in steel and they'll cut it out for you with a laser and they'll post it to you within sort of, you know, seven to 10 days. And it's super, super cheap. So if you've got knives that you want to maybe prototype or you just want to start maybe designing knives, um, you know, on a computer, which is, which is the way I, way I always do it because then, you know, your measurements are always perfect, that kind of thing. You can go to knifeprint.com. It's completely free to use. You can print the paper, and it's completely free to you know save your designs, that kind of thing. But they do have a pro account, and with a pro account, you can you can do a few different things. Like you you can bring in a picture, maybe you want to trace a picture of a knife that you've already seen, that kind of thing. And if you use Knife Talk Ten, you'll get ten percent off that. But I said the free one, you can do a lot with the free account anyway. But if you're doing the Knife Talk build along with us, take a look. You you can see the design that I've got. It would be nice to see maybe a couple of you make some slight changes to it as well, so we we can see some variations. Um, but if you want if you want that blank cutout in steel, we've got a discount for you as well. So you can get thirty five percent off if you use when you go to checkout if you use Knife Talk BA. So that means you'll be able to get one of these blanks, and I think it it's under ten dollars. Oh. And then you can come along and you can do the Crazy. build along with us. So I each week it. we're gonna we're gonna have a different stage. So. Check out my video, which I'll put on YouTube today, which shows how I've gone about designing the knife. As I say, it's a very sort of traditional, so I suppose it's like a bushcraft kind of knife, really. Um, I've chosen it in a 01 steel, because when it comes to heat treating in next week or maybe the week after, 
Um, it'll be super simple to do that for all of us. And I've chosen a four millimeter thickness, but it, it's up to you. It'd be nice to see some variations. So hopefully we're going to get lots of people doing this build along. Each week we're going to feature a different stage. So next week we'll probably be talking about um, heat treat. I think that would probably be the next, next logical step once we've got yeah. our basic shape. Here, here's, um, but once again, here's where people are going to be like. Such a cool idea. You know, but you should try them first. Oh, my God. This is going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of that. And I think if, if you're, I mean, if you just want to, you know, print this out on paper, transfer it to steel and cut it out, whether you're using a right angle grinder, whether you've got a steel bandsaw, wherever it, wherever it is, don't grind any bevels or anything yet. Maybe drill your holes for your, your pins or whatever, whichever way you're going to attach this handle. And as it next week, we will be talking about heat treat. Um being a bushcraft knife, it's probably going to have that sort of scandy grind to it, as opposed to you know a full grind which goes right up to the uh, right up to the uh, spine. So personally, and I don't know about you guys, personally, I'd always just heat treat this and then do all of the grinding afterwards. I mean, what what would you do? I ran the. Uh, I just looked at my little converter thing, and I said almost a quarter of an inch, but it's actually just un, it's under three sixteenths. Uh, and just over five thirty seconds, if that helps anybody. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but that's I, just the one I'm doing. I'm doing a four millimeter, and you can get a discount on that particular design that I've just talked about. And again, it's right. all going to be in the description of the podcast and on the video. Well, and I think um, at that thickness, it's it's reasonable to just heat treat it at full thickness and then grind it. Mm. I don't. I don't think that's terrible. No, it's, especially it's if it's a scandy grind. Reasonable. Yeah. yeah, and I think at every single stage of this, people will have different opinions. Um, but the whole purpose of this is that we'll talk at sort of a, a complete newcomer to knife making through it. So the, the first step really is is getting your blank. So that, as I said, there's two ways of doing it. You can either go to uh, the link in the description and just order a blank, and that you know that's a good start. Or you can go to the, the link in the description, print it out to paper, transfer it to some stock steel and cut it out in whichever way. And I mean, this isn't really the technical bit. This is this is the easy bit. This is just getting your shape. Sure. I say it would be really nice to see people, you know, making slight amendments to the, to the shape and, uh, you know, having little variations and so on. And you can do that in knife print and you can save it as, as your own template and as your own default and so on. So go and take a look. Um, I originally learned about knife print because the very first grinder I bought was probably four or five years ago, um, the first uh, 2x72 rather. And it was built in Greece by the, by this guy. Um, and I know a lot of people have got, have got this grinder. Um, but this is actually his son. His son set up knife print. So he's doing a computer science degree. And he was just like, well, what can I make? And also my dad's got this big workshop. You know, how, how could I, you know, use the two together and make some money? So he set up knife print. It's a really nice, cool program to go online and just design. There's a really... There's loads and loads of helpful videos to show. If you've never done it before, if you've never used like a CAD program before, you don't need to install anything. It's all in the browser. Super, super simple. And they've got a di- – so they're based in Greece. So if you're in Europe and you order one of the blanks, um, it'll come directly from them. But if you're in the U.S., they've also got a partner over there. So they, they're laser cutting um, blanks out in the U.S. as well. So it'll be posted from there. So it's a super fast service. Super cool. Yeah, so go That's check them out, knifeprint.com, and it's going to be really good to start seeing stuff appearing on social networks with knife talk BA as a hashtag, and it'd just be really cool to see you guys build along with us, and hopefully, you know, within a few weeks, we'll all have these these cool knives, these bushcraft knives. It sounds like a really interesting 
opportunity for, I mean, it sounds like what you're basically doing is a remote knife making course. Um, so, you know, if somebody like myself, like I don't have the room in my shop really to uh, invite people in and teach them a cl- course on knife mm-hmm. making, but it could be a way that you say, all right, you're going to go here, you're going to print out this knife, and then you provide kind of a video tutorial and walk people through, which is basically what you're doing, right? Yeah, so I'm going to do a video each week. And this first week is is all about the design and, you know, why I've chosen this specific design and and, and how I go about that. So whether you're doing the build-along or not, if, you, if you've never used any sort of 2D CAD program, this is a really handy way to, to get into it. It's, it's super, super simple. Yeah, super hey, are you cool. going to wear your Knife Talk t-shirt while you, while you build it? I see this YouTube video being on par with all the great beginner <laughs> Knife Talk videos. I, I hope that you're going to be wearing your Knife Talk t-shirt. I'm not. It's already <laughs> been recorded. Plain black all the way. Plain mm-hmm. black. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Less didn't do it shirtless? <laughs> maybe maybe next week. <laughs> once, once the weather warms up a little bit. Does that maybe. cost extra? You got to sing a song. There needs to be, here we are building a knife together, you fuckers, you little bastards. Here Bring we go. Bring a little go. piano into, into the workshop. Yeah, I, I don't think so. No, no. no. All right. Well, I think this is great. Congratulations. <laughs> It's time to print your fucking (laughs) knife today because you stupid (laughs) bastard. All right. Congratulations. This is great. You know, I know know a lot of other uh, podcasts do like, yeah, podcasts do like, I know Blacksmith's Pub did a spoon build together and it'll be fun to, congratulations and I'm in. I'll participate too. Usually I don't like to participate in anything. You have sold me. You've sold me on participating and I will for sure participate. It's going to be cool. And hopefully we'll learn from each other as well because there's more than one way to, you know, to uh, – what's, what's the phrase? There's more skin than one way cat. to skin a cat. That's the one. So, yeah, we're, I'm sure we're going to have some people say, why are you doing it that way and all the rest of it. So, well, show us your way. Maybe we'll learn as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Hey, man, can I ask you a question? This is the time of the podcast where you, the listener, steer the boat. So we – if you go to Knife Talk Podcast on, on Instagram – you can DM us your questions, and then we'll do our best to you know, answer them or, you know, ridicule them. One thing I w- I will say is I had a lot of this last week. The the when you write your questions to us, and I'm this is me, this is Jeff Fader, not Knife Talk, <laughs> the, the management of Knife Talk. You tried before you press send reading it out loud <laughs> and seeing if it makes sense <laughs> because. I've gotten a few questions, and I ended up having edited them, them, which is not a big deal. But some of them are just like, well, I thought you understood. And I said, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And they're like, well, don't you understand? I'm like, if I read it and it doesn't make sense, then you, the listener, aren't going to understand it either. So edit yourself, read it out before you press send, and we'll do our best to put it in. So being a dick, there I am. So first question (laughs) comes from... Pile, uh, pile. Kyle Pastrell. This one is for Morocco for sure. When setting up a mosaic billet in a tile fashion to to reveal your desired surface pattern, which direction of force is applied to set the forge weld? And then he writes underneath, he said, Salem Straub recently showed how he sets up his tiles with a 30 degree angle cut. So they all line up, and I can't figure out which way they would need to be pressed so the welds would stick. 
So <clears throat> what he's talking about is, so say you forge out your mosaic bar, you have it now in, say, a three-quarter inch by inch and a half cross-sectional dimension, and it's however long. So he's talking about what Salem uh, typically does is he'll cut the tiles off at an angle, um, and then what used to be the end grain of the bar then gets flipped up to become part of the face of the bar. So each one of the angle, the tiles that are cut at an angle overlap each other just a little bit. Basically, it's a lap weld, I think is in black, uh, blacksmithing, they call that. Um, and, and then you usually at least tack them, if not wrap the entire joint um, with some sort of weld. And, and the trick with that is, is prep. You got to get them super clean and as high, you know, you don't have to really go past 220, but as high of a finish as you can get, the better because the the cleaner those surfaces are when they come together uh, and they actually get under heat and pressure, the easier they will weld together. Um, so you don't really want to, um, you know, finish things out at 36 grit or something like that. Um, and then when it comes to what direction to put the force, uh, once you get the billet laid laid out together, it's going to essentially replicate a bar except for it's been cut into several tiles and then the pattern revealed on the face. So you gently, you kind of just gently massage the steel. Now something that people uh, often do is they'll add sacrificial steel. So that means they'll throw... They'll actually on top on the top and bottom of the newly created billet. They'll add mild steel, um, and that acts as a brace to kind of help hold things together and keep things where they should be, so that as you're forging, they don't just start falling apart and coming apart. Huh. Um, that uh, the, especially the first time I ever did a mosaic tile weld, that was exactly what I did, and it. It, and then what you do is you just go back and you just grind the mild steel off. And then underneath you have, ideally, is everything has gone perfectly. Um, you have um, very clean uh, mosaic Damascus welds. And, uh, yeah, so, but again, you want to definitely thoroughly bring it up to temperature, up to crit like welding temperature, which is around like 2000 degrees. Uh, and you want to let it soak for a few minutes, like, you know, th two or three, five minutes, something like that. It doesn't have to be forever before gently squishing it. And when I say, if you, especially if you're using a hydraulic press, um, you know, maybe that's a 16th of an inch or an eighth of an inch compression. Uh, I would I would err on the sixteenth of an inch side because, like I say, you want to just kind of massage it at least those first couple of rounds because that's where things can easily just get torn right back apart. So you um you you might even be able if you have a good clean hammer face and you're re not only have good clean hammer hand hammer face but are good at hitting with your hand hammer because it's easy to hit off. And, and catch an edge or something with your hammer. And if you're doing that, you don't want to do this. But you could you could kind of ch ch tap it around and set it by hand in a, in a way. Um, now, the way that I've started doing my mosaic Damascus billets, like I was describing earlier, is, is I make a micro billet. And I cut them, uh, the pieces of the mosaic billet, so that they stack up like a normal Damascus restack. Um, so... 
But the problem is, or not the problem is, but what the difference is, is that they're instead of, again, like three inches being three inch long pieces, they're only about seven eighths or three quarters of an inch. And so I stack them up four or five high and then I have my little micro billet and then I slowly and gently and the weld, the weld joints are flat. Uh, and I do clean them up to a pretty good high finish. I, I usually take those to about 120. Um, but it wouldn't hurt to just take it, jump one more belt to to to, to 220. Uh, but anyways, I, I wrap those in TIG weld. I and then I bring them up the temperature, let them soak for again like five minutes in in my forge, and then I put them under my press, and I do it probably at least a solid quarter inch compression. Um, because especially on a taller billet like that, or or, or that much height, uh, you the it's easy for the force to not necessarily transfer all the way down to the middle. So I I usually go for at least a quarter of an inch, maybe three three eighths of an inch in reduction in height, just to make sure that force from the press transfers all the way through the height of the billet. Um, the reason. You don't do that on the other billet. It's because it's only maybe three quarters of an inch thick. So you don't need that much reduction to encourage those those lap welds to stick together. Um, but for for this butt welded, basically butt welded steel, um, I, I'll continue doing that for two or three rounds of welding um, until I've effectively reduced my height by 30, 30 to 40%. So... You know, if I'm starting at, say, the stack is three and a half inches tall, I'll reduce it down to about two and a half inches. Um, and then once I feel really good about, um, and it's just a feeling more than anything based off my own experience, um, once I feel good about uh, the welds and I feel like everything's good and solid, then I very gently start stretching it about back out. So I call it the compress and stretch, but essentially it's a, it's butt welded steel that you compress to weld and then you stretch it back out. And I've been successfully forging and welding and forging mosaic Damascus blades like that for the last five years. And so, uh, if anybody's got any problems with it, you're welcome to take it up with me, but that's what I got. So if anybody's got any uh, follow-up questions, feel free to uh, send the questions. Um, but that's I, without it taking forever and, and doing an entire dissertation. That's, that's the basic ideas there you for go, that Kyle. first question. There you go, Kyle. Get your money's there worth you on that one. Get your money. <laughs> press, press rewind and listen to it a couple more times. Yeah. Should just isolate that one and be it. <laughs> Put that out as an EDC. Just hit your. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Not a bad uh, idea. <laughs> All right. This next question comes from Josh Scott, our buddy. He says, "KTP, uh, are IR infrared welding glasses necessary when forge welding or forging in general? Sometimes I see dudes wear them, and most of the time, not." Ching ching, uh, Josh Scott knife. Uh, I. When I'm forge welding, I don't wear any special eye protection, but I'm also not sitting there staring into the fire. Now, if you're sitting there staring into the fire a lot, you might want to consider it. But I don't know. Jeff, What I, I, do you have a pair? I only use those glasses for when I'm using my torch. I, okay, I can't. Sure. I spent so many years with uh, oxyacetylene torches. I can't, I can't not have glasses on when I'm using a torch. It's so bright. 
You, yeah, I, it, I don't even know how you could even see what you're doing. If no, you didn't. no, I know guys who do it and just like, you, I, I used to do so much uh, steel sculpture with a, a torch that I just have, I had like, I have three different pairs and I, I like them. They're great. They, they really sure. take the stress off your eyes. Yeah. Now, Josh, we all know you have big googly eyes. So you might be, <laughs> you might be the, you know, canary in the coal mine on this one in in regards to you. <laughs> What I would suggest for your eyes is I would go to the welding store, get one of those big ass gla- uh, blankets that protect everybody and just wrap that around your head because you might it might be better because I don't think they're going to find any IR glasses that are big enough for your, your big googly eyes. Yes. The answer is yes. For your big eyes, go get some glasses. There we go. Caps Cutlery is asked. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? I'm a part-time maker that just received an order for 55 paring knives from a local winery to give us gifts to their clients. Can you guys walk me through your batch process philosophy? He wants to be as efficient as possible, and the largest single order he's done so far is just six of the same knife. So he's hoping we can help. He said, "Great for the, thanks for the great info and all the laughs on the show. So what do you guys do when you've got batches? I mean, this guy's got 55 paring knives to make. Have you got any sort of strategy for that? Well, you're working on 40 right now. What do you do? Well, if it's a shape that I've never done before, um, I'll generally complete one knife from beginning to end and make notes of my process. Um, if it's a shape that I've done before, I, I can generally just start doing batches. But once, I, once I've done that initial knife and i'm happy with the way things have gone i'll then take the rest of all the knives and just completely do them in stages so um do all the cutouts and all the in one stage then do all of the the holes drilled holes in one stage all of the heat treat in one stage and so on because that way you're not setting up machines all the time going back and forth you know you know for example i'll put one drill bit in and i'll go through all so I do in this case it'd, it'd be fifty four knives to do because I've already completed that one knife. So yeah, I do in each stage. I, I just complete every knife per stage. So as I say, that could be the heat treat, it could be the grinding, whatever it is. Go through them all, and you just keep repeating, repeating this action. And I found that everything gets so much better and tighter. So my grinding got so much better just because I'm dedicating, you know, to do forty, sixty, eighty knives all at once. Um, and and you're going to get everything being identical because, you know, the setup is the same each time. You don't have to keep going back, wasting time. And even things like changing drill bits all the time, you don't need to do any of that. So just give yourself a goal by the end of the day. I want to get all of these knives to this stage and and then work out what the next stage is going to be. But, yeah, if it's a shape you've never done before, I'd, I always like to do the complete thing because I've been stung before where I'm, I'm working in batches and I'm going – they all get to a certain stage, then I realize every one of them is wrong. You know, so make sure you do that one knife that you're very happy with before you commit to doing everything else in batches. Working in a kitchen and yeah. working in a metal shop is almost the exact same thing because you're not starting, you know, you're pr- everything is the prep. Everything is the prep. And when I was in, uh, when I was at the restaurant Oriole, that was doing the prep and it was every, everything was one step, one stage. And it's the same thing when I was in, we were making railings, every stage we were forging, you know, forging a point, you know, we'd do a thousand points and then we'd do a thousand, you know, neck the, we were doing giant, you know, leaf pickets. So first stage was the point. So I do a thousand points, then neck, neck everything a thousand times, then start using the, you know, flat, 
if you break everything down as as the smallest stage possible, you will get the same you will get super close. But if you start jumping away, you know, you, what happens is is you end up getting uh, farther and farther away from being identical. And yeah. you, this also might be one of those things where they might want a little bit of that handmade, you know, like uh, it was made by a person, you know, everyone's a little bit different. But if you want to go, you know, exact, tight, 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 break, as Craig was saying, but break all your stages down into the tiniest of details. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Morocco? Do you do too many sort of big sets, or is it always just one-offs? It, it, I mean, most of my custom stuff is all I, I focus one at a time. I found before I used to do batches, but when, uh, but those were especially when I first started out. Those were knives that were going to retailers, so they didn't really have any specific uh, design elements that I need to be following, or 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 that's been requested by a customer. But once I started taking more and more customer requests, I found that I had to slow down and just focus on one at a time. Otherwise, uh, it was easy to forget where I was at or get distracted by something else or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Forget about a knife in the acid or whatever. Uh, so, um, but this, you know, when I did the Smith & Bard set, they started, it started as a 10-knife set. Uh or batch of knives, and then I focused on just five. Um, and for me, it was about trying to try to identify the bottlenecks where things are really going to slow down. And for me, a, a major one is heat treat, be, just because of the time it takes for tempering and how much space there is in my oven, oven to do do the whole hardening and tempering process. So that's that's when we just pared it down to five. And and also I, I know my own body physiologically and I know that it, it especially any the the finish grinding work and the handle sculpting work was gonna be really hard on me. And and I knew that I really couldn't do more than five really uh at that at one point at one time. Uh, otherwise, it's it's just way too much in, standing at the grinder for me, and it just it destroys my body. So that was another thing that really helped me, like inform me on how to break it up. But otherwise, there are th- things that are h- not as hard on the body. Um, you know, cutting out profiles, drilling a hole. Like I just did everything all at once. Um, but once it came to those other things that take require more time or take a larger toll, uh, that's when I started breaking it up into uh smaller batches from there you from the you market. made a very good point about the heat treating and this is one thing that cap cutlery be very very you know efficiency is super important but like when it comes to the heat treatment <clears throat> don't don't put like <laughs> don't put 10 knives in and expect mm. your heat treating on on them all to be the, i broke it down to the point where i was like all right this week i'm going to be heat treating this pile and i'm going to do you know three three knives per session just because every time you open that door the temperature changes so when you get to the last one it isn't going to be as hot as the first one so you might have irregularity so i think when you start to do 10 at a time unless you have a system down the heat treating and the tempering you can shove everything in and you know the tempering isn't as big of a deal you can put like 10 or 15 in at a time but when it comes to that heat treating i think that that's one of the big things that people don't realize is if you're trying to be as efficient as possible but if you just shove too many knives in there your your oil is going to get too hot or you're 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 going to lose yeah. heat on that last knife or it's not going to be the same results and that's the one thing i would be very very take your time on 
and it's not yeah. worth the fooling around with because you can't, you know, if, the, if you screw up the heat treatment, the whole, I mean, the whole, the, the whole problem is a problem. Yeah. So if you're doing oil quenching, I mean, what you can do is split that into batches so you're not always using the same oil. Uh, and again, plate quenching, get a bunch of plates so you're not just heating up all the time. You just put fresh plates in. But yeah, Jeff's right. As soon as you start opening that door, you're going to lose a lot of heat. So I generally do about sort of seven maximum at once. Huh. Um, and yeah, you, you know, everybody's going to be slightly different. But um, yeah, it's all about just process and just, you know, if if it's batches, to me, the most important thing is make sure you finish that one knife first and make sure you make a note of these processes. Because otherwise, if you just go into it blind, you could find yourself with 55 knives at a certain stage and you can't proceed any further because maybe you you, you can make one simple error using the wrong size drill bit for your pins, for example, and all of a sudden all 55 blanks are gone. So, yeah, just be very careful. I, I just make sure you do that, complete that one before... Um, rolling out bat, you know that, that sort of batch process to the rest of the knives and ps i like i got i like a laser thermometer so i can see what the temperature of my oil is because mm. if you run too many you know if your oil is running past where it's supposed to be running you got a problem too and you wouldn't you can't just feel it with your hand and say all right this is this, i mean i'm in there like i yeah. I, I, I that's been a huge thing for me is making sure because i'm cold right now in my shop and i know that when I'm running everything. The oil in my shop is whatever the temperature of the shop is, and it could be 50 degrees. So I know that I'm not working within the the right temperature of what it's supposed to be. So I have a laser uh, thermometer, and I put it in there, and I can take a piece of steel, put it in the forge or whatever, and the, warm it up. I can I can have a better a, a temperature uh, gauge in regards to where I should be. That that's something too. Yeah, and a bit of a tip with that as well, actually, is if you're using one of those laser thermometers, make sure you're not doing it in bright light because that oil will just reflect and huh. you won't get an accurate reading. So make sure it's pretty dark so that the reflection is at a minimum huh. and you get more of an accurate sort of reading on that as well. And you know what? Cap cutlery, when you're making these, you're probably going to need some some sandpaper. So here's what I'm going to tell you. And Dossie USA makes Rhino wet. If you're doing those 50, get the right sandpaper, spend some time, you spend less time fooling around and be more efficient. Rhino Wet from Indas USA is awesome sandpaper. It's better than all. It's better that for, it's made for knife, it's made for metalworking. And that's huge. That's in terms of your efficiency, use the Rhino Wet. And what you can do is if you go to Texas Farrier Supply and use promo code KNIFETALK10, you get 10% off your Rhino Wet or the other knife-making supplies and blacksmithing supplies that they have at Texas Ferris Supply. My suggestion is if you say, oh, I don't know, you guys talk about the, the, the Rhino Wet all the time, go get yourself a pack of 220 Rhino Wet and tell me what you think. It's dynamite stuff. I, I don't know anybody who who, doesn't, who says that this stuff sucks. It's great. And, and DOS USA makes great products. They also have other things. They have really great masking tape believe it or not this tape they sent me for like <laughs> pinstriping is incredible um and they make other stuff they're great and texas Ferris supplied knife talk 10 yeah yeah and yeah yeah I mean, jeff just said it but basically it's going to save you money and save you time with rhino wet the three of us use it and go get it texas Ferris supply 
All right, this next question comes from Northern Edge Custom Blades. It says, hey man, wondering if you've ever added a Hamon to 1084. I have a customer asking for a shelf uh, for a shelf knife I think with a Hamon. I think he said, I think he meant chef knife. I don't know oh. what a shelf knife is. That's a very good shelf. <laughs> you got to edit yourselves because I'm not smart uh, this, about reading off no off. you're fine <laughs> guys you gotta I'll read whatever you, you gonna, I'm, I'm wrong burgundy and i'll read basically <laughs> anything you put in front of me <laughs> all right well i'm gonna remember that next time i put the questions i'm gonna throw a couple yeah. of whammies your way <laughs> i'm sure you will <laughs> <laughs> i have a customer asking for a chef knife with a hormone and i'm looking for some tips and tricks thanks what do you guys got? I don't fuck with. I've, I've never done a hamon. I've done never a couple of them, and I'm just like, Ugh, I'm not ready. I don't. I don't need this in my life. It's too much. Yeah. And so it comes down for the 1084. I I have 1084 that has a low manganese content. Manganese is one of the alloying elements that you find in a lot of steels, and mostly, especially in quote unquote higher quantities, it helps. Helps make the knife more easily hardenable. It's just why uh, steels like 1080 and 1075 and 1084 and Crew Forge V, or yeah, Crew Forge V, and a, a lot of steels are very heat treating friendly. It's because you have a very wide range within to quench that knife. Now, that makes it easy. To, easier to harden a knife, but it makes it harder to create a homone because a homone relies on a shallower hardening steel, basically the lack of that manganese content. And 1084, a lot of these uh, chemical comp- compositions in these steels, they, they vary quite a lot. Uh, they have kind of like a buffer zone for a lot of them. Um, that because uh, uh, different manufacturers are making the same, basically making the same recipe. But when you go from one mill to another, they do things just a little different. It's not going to be exactly the same. And so they have a range within which they, uh, they can, each of the different elements in the steel can land within to be considered a certain type of steel, like 1084. The 1084 I have has a lower manganese content, and I very easily can get a hormone in it. But it it really ultimately comes down to who made uh, or what the chemical composition of that 1084 is and you might get to the point where you can heat where you heat treat it and you try to create a hormone and no hormone is going to happen because it just has too much manganese and it doesn't it doesn't create an opportunity for that hormone to happen um and that's why you know some there's some 1075 out there you can get a wicked hormone in and others that you can't and it's just because there are different quantities of these alloying elements in the steel so i would really try to figure out who got or or whoever you bought that steel from they should be able to give you a chemical composition of that steel also though ultimately you know a w2 1095 those are shallower hardening steels even w1 which you can readily get uh from like online metals uh you'll have to forge it down usually from like a, a round stock but you can forge a knife out of that all of those are shallow hardening steels that are much easier to develop a hormone with there you go boom not gonna get a better answer than that no sir no sir gabe jensen 09 asked what do you do when you fuck up an order multiple times 
you cry. You fix it. You don't send the fuck up. <laughs> you fix no. it. I yep. actually have a wall of all my f- big fuck ups, and I'm getting to the point now where I like them. Like, <laughs> I'm working on a knife now that I'm just like I'm kind of on the fence about, and and I'm thinking, well, if it doesn't if it doesn't work out the way I want it to, it's gonna look great on my wall. I actually have I I actually the biggest fuck up I ever had was I think it was last year. I was doing a knife with um, very light curly maple and a red liner and I was using red epoxy and I, I actually what happened was my holes were too big for the pins or the, uh, the no, holes were too big for the uh, Corby bolts and the red was leaking through to the outside edge of the of the Corby bolts and mm-hmm. because this the, the wood was so blonde it was just staining the wood and it was like, I had mm-hmm. to do that knife handle over four times and it was driving me crazy. And I actually took all the scales and I put them on a, on a board and I just put them on my wall and say, you know, to show me, show me like, look, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times you do it. You, you gotta do it. You gotta fix it. And you gotta, you also have to identify what the problem was and stay away from that problem. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. My, it's slightly different for me because I don't really do custom orders anymore. So most of mine are sort of multiples. So I generally don't experiment with a customer order. The experimenting is always done beforehand. And once it's been worked out, then I can go ahead and, you know, and do the order. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I'd always, if it's something I haven't done before, I'd always make sure that I've got a couple that I can fuck up on first. You know, the, the, the first uh, first few attempts I've got a couple in the bag there. So until I get it right, then the customer order starts. So it, it's slightly different for me, but I know you guys who do, you know, single customer orders, it's, yeah, it's, it's got to be some um, nervous times at times. It, it's also, you have to kind of be, it's unfortunate to say it, but you also have to kind of allow yourself to say, all right, I made a mistake. And you have to figure out a way that you can go on because it's, it can be like that that shocking gut feeling of I made a huge mistake or this didn't really work or what did I do or what did I do wrong or I don't even know what I did wrong. And just to just be like, all right, well, you know, these things, once in a while these things happen and you have to figure out a way to make sure they don't happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Craig, I, I would say you, you're smarter than me because I have a tendency to experiment on my actual builds as I'm doing them, um, which is not... I would not recommend that for anybody. Um, but recently, you know, I had, um, uh, let's see, it was a few weeks ago I finished up a blue-handled kind of Sanmai-style knife, and it took me three times of forging, not only forging the blade, but forging the steel for the blade three different separate times. Uh, so what would have normally taken maybe a week or a week and a half ended up taking three weeks um, to build one knife because I kept screwing up on the pattern and the steel and not, I just, I wasn't hitting um, the aesthetic that the customer was going, was really wanting for their, for their build. But like Jeff said at the beginning, like you, you don't send it out. You don't, you, you just gotta kind of either need to figure it out and fix it and, and get it right. Or recognize that maybe you've overextended yourself and it, you're trying to do something that you can't actually do. Um, which I've had, it's hard to admit to yourself, but I've definitely had to do that and talk to a customer about, you know, 
other possible routes to go or changes to make to the design. So it is something that's more within my grasp, I guess. So there you go. It's it's the nature of the beast, I think. Yeah. If you're doing something custom, you're going to c- come across some headaches, surely. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of hard, hardships would make you a better. If everything was easy all the time, I mean, where would be the excitement? So you need a little bit of peril in your mm. life, right? No? Gold stars Le- for days. Less peril. Less peril. Is that you guys like less peril? I, I don't mind a little peril. Once in a while, it's time for it's peril time. Living on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> so Shall speak. we move on from uh, questions to tips? All right, do it. Hey, you. You know what you should do? All right, this is the part of the show where we uh, ask for your tips and advice. And so we're going to kick it off actually right here with Ben Jam. Benjamin. Jammin Cocker? No, Benjamin. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benjamin. <laughs> Jammin Cocker. That's, that's the best misread ever. <laughs> oh, Ben Jammin Cocker. Oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm dyslexic. I'm illiterate. Benjamin. It's Benjamin. Benjamin. <laughs> Cocker. <laughs> that's the best. Oh, fucking Ben Jammin' Cocker, you're the greatest. That's almost as good as fucking. That's better than fucking KLB. Gooch. All right, Benjamin. From now on, you have to send in a question oh, every bastard. episode. You poor little bastard. Oh god damn, that was so good. <laughs> Uh, uh, you poor poor fucker you Uh, go ahead Ben (laughs) okay (laughs) alright Benjamin sorry bud sorry I'm sorry he's got a really good tip for us fucking better be good (laughs) 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 better be good Oh, Jamin Cocker got a little tip. Oh, jeez. Oh, holy shit. Okay. Jeff, you gotta shut the fuck up. You're making me laugh. I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm crying. Jamin Cocker. He says, I've learned to use... Oh, a tip I've learned to use with epoxy. I heard on, uh, on the last podcast... To use brake cleaner, but regular distilled white vinegar will clean and dissolve many uncured epoxies. Um, I like it much better than brake cleaner. That's we good. Have a, we have a lot of people send us all their their variations of cleaning up epoxy. We've got we hear mm-hmm. I throw that in now every time someone's got a new way to clean up epoxy. I throw it in just because we've gotten it all. Use yeah. WD forty and use brake cleaner and now vinegar. Keep them coming, guys. You know, I actually have another one. Uh, this is one that Jamie Lundell, my former shopmate at Dragon's Breath, used to always do. Uh, but he would use, uh, like, Johnson's Paste Wax. The, there's something about the, the wax. So when he is kind of, he'll glue something up, and it gets all covered in epoxy, like your handles look like, Jeff. Um, but then he t- he has uh, Johnson's paste wax right there, and he just rubs it on all over. And, and for whatever reason, it keeps the epoxy from curing. So he can basically wipe the entire outside of the knife handle clean. And then so there's just there's no schmutz all over the huh. outside. 
Thanks, Ben. All right, so the rest of these tips are <laughs> sponsored by Ben Jammin Cocker. <laughs> the next one next? is from oh, Hammer and Tyne. I like this one. You know what you should do? A lot of makers use toaster ovens uh, for tempering, but they are notorious for fluctuating in temperature, which can easily cause a blade to be over-tempered. So he fills a small cake pan or tray with sand and preheats the oven for enough time to completely heat the sand up. So when you're ready to temper your blades, the thermal mass of the sand will help sort of minimise the, the temperature swings and the, and the changes there. So having a tray the size of the oven interior also greatly reduces the occurrence of hot spots that can result in overheated blade tips and thinner areas. Hmm. Nice. There's also a company, um, actually Turn Turntax, who makes cactus juice. They have hmm. um, a small box that you plug into your, your toaster oven into, and it's called the oven tamer, and it'll actually regulate the temperature in your toaster oven. Because yeah, you know, the toaster ovens that they're they're the worst. I at once tempered a pair, not you know back in the day. Put it, you know, you think you turn into four hundred degrees. Those mm. motherfuckers came out like purple, purple and blue. Yeah. The the temper was just like I was like, oh, yeah, they are right. So yeah, they they turn on and then the sensor in those toaster ovens <clears> are just <throat> super super slow, and it, and it's like on or off. So you can get some people make these machines. I know uh, Turntex makes them, and you plug it in, and then it'll regulate you do to uh, a small, very, very fast level. But I like that idea yeah. of, you know, the sand to kind of slow down the, slow down the heat. I would imagine you probably have to run it for a while because it always overshot, overshoots. It's not going to just sail into 400 degrees. It's going to probably overshoot by a mile. And then it'll take a while to kind of like come back down. Mm-hmm. It's going to help. That, that the, Yeah, great idea. Even if you're using a, a sort of domestic oven, um, when I used to use one, what I'd do, I'd put um, heat bricks or just just any sort of bricks into that oven. And it does the same thing. It's just that thermal mass, you know, it, it'll just help keep the heat in and, and then the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a good tip. Yes, you gave a tip a number of months ago that I use to this day that's great. When you're trying to, I know a lot of guys, if they have one oven and they're going from heat treatment to tempering, a lot of times it takes a mm-hmm. long time for the for the oven to kind of come down, especially if it's, you know, 1,500 degrees and you're trying to get to 400 degrees. And a lot of times these ovens will overshoot because of all that residual heat in the bricks. And you, Craig, said to put a couple fire bricks in the oven to absorb some oven. of the, yeah. in the hot oven to absorb some of that heat. And boy, it works great. That is such a great way to cool your oven down um, so you can start to temper. Yeah. Just put the bricks yeah, in, and then after a while, you pull them out. The bricks are hot, and then your oven's cooler. Do you close the it same up thing when you do that? that? No, I keep the door. O- I keep them open. I keep the doors open, okay. um, just to kind of like help diffuse some of that heat. But I put two fire bricks in, and it just it just came it just came down really really quick. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It just sucks the heat out. Yeah. Okay. The next one comes from Diamond Metalworks. Here's a little tip slash opinion for new makers always asking about things that they should avoid to be great. Avoid hitting hardened metal against each other. Avoid slipping your arm into a bandsaw, drilling a hole in your hand, burning down your shop. But allow yourself to fail on a few projects. You will learn so much more. Thanks for the great entertainment. So there you go. Don't burn your shop down. That's a good tip. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, <laughs> this this whole thing about allowing yourself to fail as well. I I think I sort of agree with it, but that, that's never the intention. Surely, you know, whatever you do, you're never going into thinking I'm going to fail here. You're always going with the mindset of, 
you, you know, you're going to nail whatever you're doing. But it's, it, I find that really strange. People say, yeah, you know, you should learn to fail. Well, well, here's what it comes down to. Attention. It comes down to this concept of perfection and that this is bullshit or that's shit or this geometry is bad or this sucks or you suck mm. or that sucks or this guy sucks. And we've created this like this super, super brave, you know, no room for error community. And I think that, you know, that we, with whatever we put on on Instagram or whatever we put on social media is we have this, 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 this air of perfection and you're the top of your class and make the best knives, top 10 guy. Da, da. And it, it becomes intimidating if you make a mistake because you're just, because then you see, you see the mistake you made. And I'm like, I ain't good. I'm, I'm never going to be as good as that guy. I think that there's this, you have to like weigh the perfection versus, you know, human error and kind of like relieve yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? Definitely. Relieve yourself. Definitely. Relieve yourself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This next one's from Iron Ridge Forge. It says, uh, when you need to burn a tang to get a nice snug fit up, make a replica of the tang shape in mild steel. Uh, to avoid ruining the heat treat. Also, notch the tang in alternating spots to get the epoxy to secure it in place solidly. Awesome podcast. Thanks. A P.S. before you started, I could tell after Ben Jammin' Cocker, I'm you're very, very careful. Very careful. <laughs> you're very careful. Question. That was like, I was like, all right, he is on the line. He ain't going to do Ben Jammin' Cocker for a while. We're going to have to really <laughs> slip him up and get that. Mm. Fucking good. Sorry, Ben. No, 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 no. He's okay. He got a good laugh out of it too. Or he didn't. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah, notching the tang um, to to get extra grip from the epoxy. That's a good one. I like making the replica tangs, uh, especially I've seen um, when knife makers are doing a forged fit for their guards. And I'm not a guard guy, but I like the fact that some guys make. Um, They'll make, if they have a standard style that they like, they'll make a drift the size of the tang. So their drift will make a perfect slot so they can hot, hot slot. Is that what They can hot slit. They can hot slot. I'm saying hot slot. They can hot slot their tang hole. <laughs> With Ben Jimmy. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Mm, fucking good. We got beef. All right, we got a few leftover beefs from the holidays still, so we're going to go through some of those. Uh, this first one is from Dixon Knives. He says, my beef is this sudden extra expense at Christmas when you have a kid. On top of the obvious <laughs> presence, what's up? I'm laughing. No, I, I, oh, like, the, I like he's getting mad at his kid. Still. His, no, 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 you're good. You're good. Keep oh, it. he's getting mad at no. his kid. Okay, yeah. Okay, mad at his on kid. top. On top of the obvious presents you buy, buy them, which is fine. The amount of the presents and the cards you buy, everyone else doubles because everyone expects one from one from them too. Makes no sense to me. My daughter only one and a half. <clears throat> Sorry, Jesus, I can't read anymore. My daughter is only one and a half and is already spending my money. Love the pod. Yeah. Merry Christmas, cuties. Right. XOXO. Jeez, Dixon Knives. You want to have twins? <laughs> yeah. Poor Dixon Knives. Poor Dixon Knives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's toughy tough. Now, this next beef might might have been my favorite beef 
it, it just came in. This is Running Man Ford. She's a good dude, really good guy out in California, awesome knife maker. His beef is, my beef is when you offer a discount to a customer and then that customer tells a friend that he should get the same discount. So when the friend hits me up and asks for the same discount, I grit my teeth and say, okay, fine. But then that asshole doesn't buy anything and he ghosts me. <laughs> oh my God. Just telling everybody about the discount you could have had. I fucking <laughs> love this beef because it is so true. They'll like, you know, you, you, ugh, some of these guys, they think, you know, they hear something, you know, they hear a discount and then they're, they're you know, they tell their friends, ugh, I love this beef. This, this is, this is a very unique beef, but, uh, I hate I hate the fact that that your this dude did that and then the worst part is he fucking oinked you for the beat he oinked you for the discount and then he fucked off. God damn. Community showcase. Yeah, that's right, baby. We're gonna give a little bit of love to people out in the uh, in the universe that you should be following. So, what do you got, Craig? I need to go for our greatest listener. <laughs> His head may have been turned slightly, but I think we've won him back. I'm pretty sure. So it's it's Dominic Schwab of Schwab's Custom Knives. Um, what I think is particularly um, apt, actually, because this week we're starting our build along, and they are sort of bushcraft knives, sort of hunting knives, that kind of thing. And that's what Dominic does very well. So go take a look at Schwab's underscore custom underscore knives and maybe send him a message tell him why Knife Talk should be his favorite podcast. Oh. <laughs> Don't let him. Watch his DMs blow up. Yeah, let him listen to whatever the hell he wants to, for God's sakes. Nope. Fight for every listener. All right, fight. You heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Except for we're gonna have to. You're gonna have to sing a song to Benjamin Jammin Cocker because he's gonna, he might need us, <laughs> he might need to be brought back. He's gonna be on Night Talk. I hope Oscar. you like Jammin too. <laughs> he's gonna. He gonna. He's gonna be like fuck this podcast. They're making fun of my name. I want to listen to that Night Talk Down Under. That's what we're calling your podcast, Mark. <laughs> I've talked down under. We should make t-shirts. Ugh, um, t-shirts. Yeah. All right. So this week I want to give uh, some community love to Touch Knives. Uh, it is a father and son duo um, who unfortunately now is just a son, Eric Touch. Uh, his father actually just passed away recently. But uh, the knives, the, you should go follow them on Instagram. It's spelled T-U-C-H Knives. Uh, they do really incredible, really beautiful work, uh, especially the file work on their kind of like mono steel scales and liners. They do all this wild sculpting and fullering through the steel. It's really beautiful. Um and they're based out of Portland, Oregon. They're right up here in the Northwest. So, uh, yeah, just go give them a give them a follow, give them some love. Um, and yeah, there's just there's really inspiring, like I said, really inspiring, very clean stuff on here. I would like to give a smack and tickle to Mattia underscore bladesmith. Mattia M A T T I A underscore bladesmith. He's an amazing knife maker. Awesome knife maker. He's in Italy. He makes beautiful forged knives, does Damascus, he does it. He's a beautiful blacksmith. Great guy. Except anytime I cook and I post anything to my stories, he he slips into my DMs and telling and tells me how I'm calling it something that's not. And the funny thing is, is the reason why he wasn't going to be my community showcase until I looked at his his, his Instagram page and his profile. He says, a knife maker, father, da, da, da. and he said, and it says food maniac. And then I thought, you know what? He's saying he's a food maniac and he's behaving like a food maniac. 
he, he everything I make, he says, oh, that's this or that's that. And I'm like, no, 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 that's this. And he goes, and he, and he'll, we'll go back and forth a little bit. And I've, I'm, I'm kind of be honest with you, I'm a little tired of it. But he is everything he says he is because he's a beautiful knife maker. But he's, uh, pardon me, he's also a food maniac. He slips into my DMs. He tells me that's a tortilla, that's a frittata, or that's not, you know, you don't put, you know, bay leaf and sofrito. Everything's a problem. So I'm sending you peace and love, Mattia. I'm going to give you a little Italian. And if you keep it up and I meet you, a schiaffi in faccia, which means a slap in the face. So I'm giving you a little slap in the face. I'm giving you the love, though, because you're an awesome knife maker. You're a good dude. This is funsy stuff. So we're having a good time. So go follow Mattia. And if he follows you, see if he'll criticize the food that you make. See, <laughs> you know, maybe he'll he'll get, tell you what you're doing wrong, too. So I'm with you, Mattia. I'm with you. This is all funny games. We got beef. Okay, this is time for our Are beefs. you going to do what I um, think you're going to do? Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> My beef. Shall I, shall I go first? Yeah. My beef is is Dominic Trump. <laughs> I love every episode. Every system you're putting them in, every system. All right. <laughs> my saturday night so there i am sitting on the sofa nice and calm we're watching just crappy tv (laughs) you know relaxing ready to fall asleep phone pings and it's dominic bloody (laughs) who who has now become my favorite listener by the way but for that 10 minutes dominic oh we got my blood pumping so, yeah, my beef is Dominic Schwab and people telling us that we're not the best. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Dominic, he's gotten in your head. He's He's been in three different segments. Yep. Wow. It's the Dominic show. We've got to win him back. We've got to win him well, back. Put him in the beefs. Might not win him back. I don't know. You might have to write him another song. <laughs> it, was, it was a 10-minute beef. It was just 10 minutes and I was thinking, okay, then I realized we need to win him back. There you go. I, I, I love, love, love you do that. Funny. Yeah. Uh, my beef this week is uh, people who think they're so fucking smart. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's a thing. People think they're so fucking smart, and they and they think that it's really important that you know it, even though the reality is they're fucking dummies. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, Neil Kamimura and I have been doing these kind of like back and forth uh, static cut videos where we're instead of doing the big giant swing and then hitting something and cutting it we're just holding the blade right next to the paper towel roll or roll of paper or or even we did one inch hemp ropes and he actually ended up having to do a or didn't have to do but he did a read a follow-up video after he did the hemp rope because he had a bunch of people saying that's bullshit that's fake blah 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 and then i did the static cut video with the rope and i got the exact same thing and look it it yeah and then the the thing that drove me crazy is people were like the piece of the piece of rope you pick up at the end of the video it has tape on it that wasn't there at the beginning it actually was there the whole fucking time you idiots if you watch the video and you see the cut you will watch you will see a flash of blue as the chunk of rope goes flying off of the rest of the rope and i actually made a follow up video that i didn't end up posting because i was like you know what fuck these guys and so i just went through and started blocking and removing <laughs> all of them was it just like benjamin wasn't in think, that one was he no benjamin. but it's just 
I don't understand this human tendency to feel like you ha- you gotta f- you gotta show people that you're so fucking smart. Yeah. But you don't. You don't actually. And usually it's the people who keep their mouth shut who are smarter than you. And so thank you everybody for <laughs> all the very nice people for all your nice things that you said. But it's just it doesn't make sense to me. And it. <sighs> I don't know. Our beef is the it's same. Obnoxious. My beef is the same. I I am stunned at the, the 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 why people feel the need to say something. And I actually had the anti beef. And the anti beef is this guy. His 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 uh his Instagram is I've mentioned before. Dies in every film. His name is Onar Kaglar. Onor mm. Onor Kaglar. Here's a guy, he's in the UK, he is a former uh, military uh, veteran, he f- served his country, he's an MMA fighter, and he does restoration videos, he does YouTube videos, and when the YouTube comments come up, he seizes on these comments and fucks with every single comment, mm. and it is like hilarious, it's like too much energy for me, like I've said this, I said this in the last episode, <laughs> Deal, going back and forth with people, I I don't. It's too much. It's too much emotional energy for me to want to deal with. That's why in the Epicurious video, I won't look at the comments. I just can't. I I can't. Mm. I can't. You know. It, and the funniest part is if you think about these people, if they were your friend, like your good friend, or your brother, or your cousin, or your mother, or something like that, then you could feel bad about it. But these people don't. They're commenting on someone they don't even know. But what what owner does, uh, um, what uh, dies in every film does, is he screen caps, and no matter what they say, if it's good, he you know I don't know if he makes a big deal about it. If it's bad, he'll whip their ass and then post on his stories, which is always hilarious. He calls them a cabbage. He, he's you know they didn't like the way he made a he made a axe with a chain handle, and they said it won't work because that won't work because you're late, you know you're fat and you're living in your basement with your your mom's basement or something. Like that. <laughs> he this. The funniest thing is, is this dude is a legitimate nightmare. Like he's a legitimate professional fighter. I've seen he's got he's got some of his fights on online. If you went up to anybody, why would you go after? You would never go up to this guy in the street and say any of these things. The guy is he's super nice, super nice guy, real fun. He makes me laugh real hard. But I just don't understand that need to. Why bother telling anybody anything negative at all? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So why? I don't understand why these people say. Because I know that um, I saw that uh, Neil had redid the stupid video because he thought people were setting up things. What's the point? What's the point of addressing these people? And what? What's the point of them even saying anything anyway? Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, it just seems like an incredibly poor mismanagement of your time and energy. I don't. I don't get it at all. I know Jeremy gets it too. Jeremy, simple little life. He did a video crying because someone says you're not a real knife maker. Somebody, <laughs> somebody wrote in my in my. Uh, I forged a knife last week and they and they wrote, "Oh, that's real forging, not that stock removal." Bitch, I make fucking stock removal knives ninety percent of the time. What are you? Ta- why? Are you, what's the point of even giving anybody some sort of pecking order? It makes. It's just so. It's a mismanagement of your time. And these are always people, like Morocco said, these are the, the dull people saying these things. Intelligent people, no. It's the dull people who like to make well, themselves feel a bit the, better. Or the intelligent people don't care. 
Like Jimmy Duressa said, mm-hmm. Jimmy Duressa says in, in the Making It podcast, he's like, it's the people who don't know shit who say stuff. And it's the people, professionals, what are they going to waste their time? What do you think? You think Aaron Wilburn's going to send you a message saying all that, you know, you didn't do that right? No, he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> cut your fucking rope and be on with it. Yeah, good. You cut the rope. These the the master bladesmiths have been super super supportive of me, and then there's no reason they they have to. They don't have to do a thing. They're just like, yeah, it looks great, or that's fine. It doesn't. And they'll skin off their neck. What the? F- I don't understand. I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. It's it's it, that's what it is. This mismanagement of time and energy. Yeah. So there you go. Beef dogs. Fuck a. Fucking a. That's it. <laughs> that's a show that's a show so remember we we're starting our build along this week if you want to build along with us the uh link will be in the description here it'll also be on our youtube video showing how you can design them um i'm personally going to be using o1 so next week we'll be heat treating that so mm-hmm. up to you what steel you want to use but next week and we'll be talking about the heat treating how process. will we get the link to to the drawing um, it'll be in the uh, the link in the uh, on the podcast page. So on knifetalk.net for this episode, in the show notes, there'll be a link Great. there. Um, I'll also be doing a video as well of me showing the design, and I'll put the link in there as well. But, yeah, it's all good. So as many as possible doing the build along. It would be real fun to see other people's work. Um, and if you've got any tips, you know, how you made things a little bit better, just let us know. We'd be keen to share all that kind of stuff. And that's it. I think we've had a good show. Happy birthday, Craig. Happy birthday, old man. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.